How are you guys doing? Yeah. I can really feel that there's a lightness and a joy here this morning, which I'm really, I'm appreciating. Yeah, I can feel that too. I think it's because there's so many people wearing purple today. I think that's a big piece of there it. There is. Yeah. I, I mean, well, maybe four. I don't know. But it, it's almost Easter. <laughs> right, right. We're... No, we're not even halfway there. Listen, I'm, my time is so messed up right now. It could very well be Easter. We're still in March. Do you remember in March when we were talking about, I wonder if we're going to be able to pull Easter off? Right. Right? We're like, I hope we, everything comes back together for Easter 2021, I think is just kind of adjusting right. expectations. Yeah, exactly. So how are you doing? Well, I, there was something I wanted to share. What's that? And this is just kind of a, you know, a random... Oh, hey, um, somebody's, could you guys hear that? So go ahead and turn that one thing down. <laughs> you know, the one that... The, the We've had some technical things today. The phone was it's plugged every into? Every single week, there there's we go. something. It's amazing. Technology is amazing, but then there's this. So, back to the program. So I, my assumption was that was um, YouTube coming back around or something. Anyway, so... You wanted to share something. I did. And What's I, that? Um... <laughs> So um, we have this play structure in our backyard, and Sam hasn't played on it in years. But okay. our next-door neighbor is two and a half, and she really is like been eyeing that play structure. So I went out to take it apart with my socket set, and I popped it open, and then it dumped out. Every socket dumped out into the pine needles and dirt and oh. dog stuff. You know, and it's just – and, uh, you know, sometimes you're in a headspace where you just laugh at that. And sometimes you're in a headspace where it feels like the world is crumbling around you. Like yesterday, I was, in, I was in the good one yesterday, oh and good. it dumped out, and I looked, and I went. Th there was a game that uh, we played I I uh, when we were kids where you had to fit um, different size pieces in before the whole board exploded. Oh, yes. I remember that. I don't remember what that was called. I don't remember what it is. Some of you remember what that is, but it was, it was perfection. Yeah, that sounds right. And it used to cause me such anxiety. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's perfection. <laughs> but with my socket set. Um, and so I did that, and then I found I was getting uncomfortable on one knee, and so I got on both knees, and then I went, while I'm here, what an extraordinary opportunity to pray. And it was kind of like God, I, I actually kind of felt like God was saying, hey, you know, we haven't talked in a, a little bit. Let's take a little bit of time. And, uh, and sometimes that's the lightness that we feel here just felt for me feels like a carryover from yesterday, um, and uh, and Brian can attest that I often am not the bright, cheery one <laughs> in the room of late, so it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah. Is there anything I can say that would help propel you I into what we're talking about today? Not really. Okay. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Today, we're going to be talking, we're continuing in Mark chapter 1. Um, when we get to that point, if you want to turn your Bibles into that, or you, you at home, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to be talking about Jesus' first action after calling all his disciples. And last week, we talked a lot about that we're to follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus, to lay it all down and to follow him. Well, the question this week is, who are you following? Who is this guy? And it's the question of the text, where the, everybody at the end, they're going, who is this? What is going on here? It's completely unusual, and it shatters some of the narratives in our in our in our current culture about who Jesus is, and kind of the, just the, the the themes of today. So it'll be interesting as we uh, as we go into to the text today. But it's 
It's a, I, I pray every week, and particularly starting from here forward, that, you, that Jesus steps out of the page for you. So let's pray for that, that, that you get a sense of who Jesus is, that he's not just this plastic figure, that he's not just this character in a book, but he's living and alive because he is. All right? Can I ask a real quick thing? Yeah. I just want to check in, text people. Are we on both platforms and streaming? Excellent. I just figured that now would be a good time to check. Thank you. Appreciate you all. All right. You ready to pray? Let's pray. Right. Father God, we are we're grateful for this day. Help us to be grateful for all the good things in our lives. And we are grateful for, uh, most of all, that you sent your son that we might have a, a, a renewed, a restored, a redeemed relationship with you, Father. That we get to call you, Father. That our sins are forgiven, that we're set free from this world's uh, system, from this, from this darkness, this present darkness, that we might be transferred into your kingdom of light, that we might um, worship you and praise you as you deserve, that we might join the heavenly chorus in giving you praise and thanks and honor and power and glory forever and ever. Now, Lord, as we come into this time of worship, we ask that you, Jesus, that you would um, stir in us, that your spirit would stir in us and help us to worship you as you really do deserve. Help us to engage our minds, help us to engage our emotions and our bodies and all that we are to give you the praise you really do deserve. We thank you that you're going to be present. We pray for everybody that's here and, and everybody at home that Jesus, you would be there and you would be working in the lives. May you be honored right now. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray and, and Brian will be up for the message. Lord, our, our understanding of you is, is obviously limited by our humanity. And um, I just ask, Lord, that we not be discouraged. Rather, that we are encouraged to lean into who you are, to be desperate to be near you and to, to understand your nature and for us to be a reflection of your nature to this world that, that longs for peace, that longs for your presence, even if they don't say your name, and even if they, even if they press against you. Lord, I thank you for your patience with us. I thank your, you for your patience. I thank you for your patience with the children who walk behind you and who follow you and who know you and I, I pray for your patience with those who throw things at you and who reject you that you continue to wait for your prodigal children to return thank you for such remarkable generosity of patience and mercy through the sacrifice of your son Jesus Lord may we hear your word this morning we, we understand your nature all the more in the name of your son Jesus we pray Amen. Amen. If you'd like to turn in your book, your, your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. You've just laid down your debts. 
you just walked away from, from your business, you've just laid day down everything to follow after Jesus. And you go home, your hometown, Capernaum. And you've had a little couple of days with him, but you know, you're still getting to know this guy that you've decided you're going to follow because he came to you and he said, follow me. It's Sunday morning, Saturday morning, it's time to go into the temple, into, not into the temple, into the synagogue. Now, Capernaum is, is, is it's a good-sized town. It's around 10,000, which is a pretty good-sized city for back then in, in, in that area. It's a fishing village. Very well, um, very prosperous. You've got all kinds of, of different people moving in and out. It's on the main trade route from, from the coast to Damascus. You've got a, a large Roman presence there. And he goes into the synagogue. Jesus says, let's go into the synagogue. So you go into the synagogue. And the synagogue is, you know, is the prominent building. It's up on a hill a little bit. And, and you go into this, 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 this well-built structure. You step down into the steps. And, and as a normal synagogue service starts, there's, um, there's a little bit of a confession of your faith. There's going to be a little bit of, of, of worship and some prayer. No sacrifices, because that happens in Jerusalem. It, you're, you're part of, of, of what 2,000 years from now you would think of as a church, where people come together and they, and they, they learn about their faith. Well, it comes to, to the part where, where the scroll is read, a portion of the Bible is read, and, and then they say, is there anyone who would like to, to teach? And Jesus stands up. This is the setting of our story here in Mark chapter, chapter 1, starting in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he was teaching a normal thing. Now, he may have been known a little bit in this area, to, but he goes in there and he starts teaching. And then 22, he teaches a little differently than what people ex are expecting, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Pause there. So, there's, there's going to be four, four characters in this story. The first one is Jesus. And Jesus, you need to get the, the view that he's, he's confident. He's very much calm and in control. He's not, you know, he's not just, you know, a, 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 a reckless. He's not someone who you would, you would expect to be uneasy or nervous about anything. He's calm. He knows who he is. He knows he has legitimate authority. He knows that he is the Son of God. Nobody else knows this yet, except for John, which some people have heard, and you've heard, because you know, you're, you're, you've probably heard his testimony and you've said, yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus. But what does that mean? So, so Jesus steps in there, and he starts teaching very, very different. And People are astonished. This is the second group of people. And it includes you. At the start here, you're astonished along with everybody else. This is the people. These are the people who, who, are, who are in the audience. The people from, from, from all around this area. 
They're dumbfounded. They're, they're, they're a little bit shocked. This word conv- astounded is not one that maybe many of you use. It's, it's a little bit like, I don't know what to think about that. It literally means to, to expel air. It's a, <laughs> what is that? What, what's going on here? It's bewildered, confused a little bit. Like, I don't understand this. This is different. Very, very different. Which is the third char- char- character uh, per- people here, the scribes. Jesus is very different from them. Now, the scribes, just because we, you know, we don't really usually know exactly what they are. Um, in some of your translations, instead of saying scribes, put experts in the law. Because that's what they are. These are the people who knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. Many of them had many large parts of it memorized. Their job was to teach the Bible. Think seminary professors. But there are more than that. They they gave binding declarations of this is what it means and this is how you are to apply it. Their, their, Their authority went all the way down to even civil matters, if let's say two of you came together and said, um, we need to figure out who's right and who's wrong in this circumstance, they would give it a binding decision here. They were very highly esteemed in the society. They had a lot of power, a lot of authority. But their authority was derived, meaning they never said, well, I'm sure that this is what it means. It was always like, well, so-and-so back at this time said that this is what this scripture means, so therefore this is the answer. They would always quote the fathers, the elders, people in the past who have had legitimate, recognized, good opinions. They're astonished as well. But astonished can mean two different ways. One, it's like, wow, this is really interesting. Or, excuse me? Um, What is this? So there's a little bit of differences in opinions here. Either way, what Jesus is doing is he's not not talking like them. What he's doing, he's teaching with a personal derived authority. As you can see in places like Matthew 5 where, where he'll say things like, Now, you have read that not to murder, but I tell you, even if you hate someone, you're guilty of murder. You have heard it said that you should not lust, but uh, should not commit adultery. But I tell you, even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've sinned. But I tell you, I tell you. He's speaking with a way of saying, I don't, I don't have to quote anybody. I, can, I, am, not sub, I am not above, I mean, below any other teacher. I am the teacher. I am the original. I am the source. I am the author. He's speaking as if he's the author of it all. His, his, his decisions, his ways of speaking are binding. He gets to tell, he, he's acting like um, there's no debate here. There's no discussion about, well, I think this is the right way to go. No, no. He's like, this is what it is. Have you ever met someone like that who, who, who is in a, in a discussion and they are they are so much the authority that it's really not really a discussion. It's like he, they're just explaining it. Now, often is for a human being, our response is, what? who gives you the right, right? 
But once in a while, we do meet someone who really, you know they know what they're talking about. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, he's right. I think about, I think, I think about let's say we're having a discussion about Star Trek. Not Star Trek, Star Wars, right? And we're all having a little debate about what's going on. And then George Lucas steps in and says, no, actually, this is what happened. Well, that ends the discussion, right? He's the creator of it. He's the one that, that, that actually made it. It's like, well, that ends the discussion. There's no debate. The author has spoken. That's what we're seeing here. It's not, a it, it, it's not a derived authority. He speaks as if he has the right, the inside knowledge of what is actually being stated here. And so what they're saying is like, what's going on here? They're astonished. They're shocked. You don't act like that. He's te teaching as if he has his own authority. Who is this guy? This is the setup. Verses 21 22. They went into Capernaum. He starts teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority, not like the scribes. But then you have an interruption. Then you have something that something happens that, that, that stops the whole thing for a moment, which introduces the fourth character. Verse 24, 23. Then immediately there in the synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit, and he cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One. There's an interruption. Now, what is an unclean spirit? Now, of course, the simplest answer is a demon. And there's a whole lot more we could, we could dive into this as a sub, sub uh, rabbit trail. But in a sense, just a little bit of it. Unclean from a biblical perspective means corrupted. It means polluted. It is morally not right. It is mixed. It's not right. The Bible has a supernatural worldview, by the way. Which is something that while many of us Christians will, will tip our hat to and say, yes, of course there are. The, the world is supernatural, but we often don't live that way. This is, this is not mental illness. There's another being here. Look carefully at the text when it says, as, as this case, as in all of them, there's always two different, it's clearly there's a host and a different being. There are two beings here. So there is a man that had an unclean spirit. And then you pop down here a couple of verses later, and it's like it came out of the Spirit, came, verses 26, it came out of Him. They're making a distinction, as they always do. I think it's a little arrogant to think that we, uh, um, that we can tell the difference between mental illness, but they couldn't. Yes, they could. They could tell when people were not right. That's not what this is. The Spirit talks. He has a will. He has, and he knows he, he's on the wrong team, a different team. And he affects the man physically. 
He says here, he, has two, he, he makes two questions and he has one statement. The first question is, is what is it you and, between you and I? It's like, I should have nothing to do with you. You have nothing to do with me. We are, compl- we are not together in any way. What do, the, what do you have to do with me? Now, it, it, as an idiom, it has a little bit of a force of like, leave me alone. Don't have anything to do with me. That's what he's wanting to have. It. Just, no, 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 stop. And then the second question he has, are you here to destroy us? Now, it could mean that there's multiple spirits there, but more likely he's speaking in terms of the general, um, all of those that are his buddies. The kingdom of darkness. Are you coming to destroy us? He knows. He knows who Jesus is. He knows that he's not on the same team, and he knows where Jesus is going with all of this. And he makes the one statement, you're Jesus of Nazareth, human, the Holy One of God, that is, you are, a, you are his child, you are, a, you are a, a, a being of supernatural power and authority. Leave me alone. He knows that Jesus is higher than him. This is the interruption. Jesus' response is dramatic in that there's no drama. It's dramatic in the fact that there's nothing really that happens. Verse 24. What have you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. He's screaming. And Jesus turns to him and says, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth and get out. And that's it. That's all there is. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent, come out of him. No mumbo jumbo, no long protracted struggle, none of this kind of um, as we could see in, 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 in horror movies like The Exorcist where there's all this, this. And, no, no, it's just a, no, you need to be quiet now and go away. And it happens. Just like that. No battle. No fighting. It's like he's talking. This is what I tell you. Rah! Shut up, get out. Now, where was I? Okay. And the response to this is even more shocking. Verse 27. What is this? And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? This is not like all the other exorcisms. And exorcisms were common back then. They... They had seen them before. This isn't like, oh, the the weird thing was that there was an exorcism. No, the fact that it it happened like that, that was the issue. There's plenty of, of, of documentation that exorcisms occurred. What they're shocked at is the fact that he just simply said, shut up, go away, and that was the end of the deal, of the whole deal. No, and none, none, none of the, in the power of the Most High God, I compel you. No. His own authority. They're shocked. 
they're astounded. Who is this guy? Not only is he, is he saying authoritatively, this is how you need to think, this is how you need to act, this is what your priorities need to be, this is what your values need to be, this is how you are to understand things. And I don't need to quote anybody else, he's saying. No, I'm telling you, this is what it is. But that can be dismissed, right? Up until that point, you could just say, well, he's just kind of a crazy guy. Because anybody can say, well, this is what the real answer is. He's just either a liar or a lunatic. But then this happens. This interruption. Now you can't dismiss him so easily. Because now he's actually demonstrated authority. He's not just simply acted as if he has authority. He actually displayed it. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And he becomes, it becomes the buzz of the whole, whole area. Verse 28. And everybody started talking about this guy. All over the area. He's the Lord. It remo- and we're going to see this over and over and over. And in the, t- in, in the story of, uh, of Mark, this is not a one-time thing. Verse 39, look at that very briefly. Verse 39, and he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, casting out demons. This happens all the time. Not once, not even twice. Now Mark is going to record a couple of them just as examples. But the implication is, is this is normal for Jesus. And the healings are going to be normal. He does it all the time. It's a part of his thing. He's constantly saying, this is what I tell you, and he's demonstrating that he has the authority to do that all the time. He's revealing that he has legitimate authority. Authority is the, is the right to tell someone what to do. Power is the Ability to compel it. He has both. And what is he using that, for, that authority for? Put yourself in the, in, in the perspective of the, of the man who had the unclean servant, a spirit. He was tormented. He was miserable. He was not in control of himself. He was set free. He had peace. As we're going to see in some of the other ones, Their lives are instantly transformed to be infinitely better than it was before. What does Jesus do with that that, that authority? He brings blessing. He brings peace. He brings freedom. He transfers people out of the clutches, the oppression of the enemy. That's what he does with his authority. And he does all this with an absolute confidence a calmness, a self-assuredness. Starting in verse 15 of this chapter, he says, it's not like, I think the time is near, the, the kingdom of God here. No, it is. It's not that, hey, you should come follow me. No, it's you, follow me. His commands are performative. They actually make something happen. And then what he teaches, he, taught, he teaches as if, I know I'm right, you need to listen to me. Yeah, this is who Jesus is. 
He expects to be obeyed because he knows that he is the Son of God. And for the people, the general populace, they see Jesus as a gravy train. Oh, he's a guy who's going to make my life better. And so we, they keep bringing all their, their demon-possessed, and they bring all their, their people who are, who are needing healing. Because for their perspective, all that Jesus gets, all Jesus is, is he can make my life better. The disciples want more. They want to know who he is. And he's going to start end up asking things like, you need to, if, you want to, if you want to follow me, you need to lay down your life for me. But then there's the scribes. Their response to this is threatened in anger. They become his chief opponents. They're the ones that in the end start going, I don't like you. They're the ones that, that we can see in our lives who, who could see the facts and yet their response is, I don't care if that's true, I don't like it. You don't get to tell me what to do. Because he's threatening their very identity. They like the fact that everybody listens to them. And he's undermining all of that. Because what this is teaching is the fact that Jesus has the right to tell every single one of us how to think, how to act, how to prioritize, what to value in your life. This is what he's saying. And they're like, no, that's our authority. No, it's not. And so they don't like it. Isn't it amazing have you ever experienced this where people look at, at the facts and it just is it, they come to an absolutely irrational position from it. It's crazy. It's happened a couple of times in my life where I'm, I'm in an issue with someone and it's like, how are you coming to that position? That's, that doesn't fit the facts at all. But that's what these scribes are doing. What they ought to do as what the disciples end up doing is going, Oh, you're the Lord. I need to lay down my life for you. We're going to end up seeing that. It took, took Peter and the others a while to get there, but it takes finally even at chapter 8, we get there. But even a little bit after that, Peter needs a little bit of help. But here's my question for you guys. The application is two things. Is Jesus the voice in your life or just a voice? Is he the voice or he's a voice? It doesn't mean you don't listen to other things, but when Jesus authoritatively says something, does that end the discussion? And the other one is, I know that we feel like life is crazy right now, but do you see that, that Jesus is walking next to you in this life? And that he's using that authority to shepherd you, like that man who had the Spirit.
See, sometimes I think we walk around all anxious and worried and we forget who's standing next to you. You know, every single night for, what is it, almost 80 days downtown Portland's been insane, right? Yeah. I wouldn't want to go down there. But if I had Superman next to me, I would be fine, right? Because I'm not going to get touched if Superman's next to me, right? See, you got someone better than Superman walking next to you. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt, but it means he's going to get you home. Do you see Jesus as someone who, in the midst of all this insanity that's happening in your life, is calm, he's in control, who's not flapped, not stressed out about anything that's happening, and who has authority in heaven and earth, and is right next to you. Jesus, thank you for today. Oh, I pray that you would help us to see you as the Lord Most High. That you really are amazing. <laughs> and that you are, you really are Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, help us to submit our lives to you. Because you are, you are the author of all. You are the author of life. You are the, the one who created all things. You are the one who created me and all of us. You have the authority in my life. May we all say that, Father. May we submit our lives to you and give you the praise. And more than that, give, us, give our lives, our obedience to you. Because you know best. You really do. And Lord, help us to not be stressed out and worried about all the crazy stuff that's going on. But see you as walking next to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Any comments, Joe? I, I have two, if you, if you don't mind. No, you can the have... The first is I almost lost the first one because you mentioned Superman, and then I laughed. And because uh, I thought it's cool if Superman's walking next to you, unless you're Lex Luthor, and then that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. No. So I just wanted that's completely useless. Don't be Lex Luthor. Yeah, that was just useless information. However, the the, the thing that really <laughs> that really resonated with me was the idea that um, when we are presented with the truth and we reject it because it doesn't align with how we want to view things, and that is. You know, my first instinct, I think, is what most of ours is, is if that idiot over there <laughs> was just paying attention to the truth, we wouldn't have all these issues. And then I went, oh, yeah, that, that's pointing at me, too. Um, that just because I feel strongly about certain things doesn't make them true. And that, gosh, uh, I, if I could ask for just one thing, and it's not a simple thing for us as, as a community, it's to show an extraordinary level of spiritual intellectual curiosity that if, if we say something and you go, that doesn't sound right, take the time to look in the Bible, read it, study it, because that will solidify it. You're being challenged sometimes, and that means we are challenged to take the time 
to go, well, Jesus is the authority, and then submit. That's the hard part. What was your other thought? No, that was it. It was Superman and submit. Oh. That was it, yeah. Don't be Lex Luthor. Don't okay. be Lex Luthor. But that, like I said, that was a useless piece of information. I wanted to get that out of the way first. All right. You know, um, authority is something that in our society is, uh, it's something we really struggle with. I mean, what was the slogan in the 60s? Qu uh, question authority. And, and it's something that really, really disturbs me about our current societal circumstance is the, the, the desire to tear down authorities. It's not good. In fact, if it isn't bringing judgment, it will. Um, Anti-authority is bad. Um, so, so we struggle with authority. And one of the things I think the reason why we struggle with authority is, is we, we don't trust that authority's got our best interest in heart. You know, and 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 I want to I want to and with that coming into communion, and I want to think about what does Jesus do with his authority. One of the themes that we're going to see in Mark is that what Jesus has done is, as the one who has all authority in heaven and the earth, he uses that to serve, to bring blessing, to bring grace, and that is a it, it, it all comes together at the cross. It is at the cross where we see most clearly how Jesus uses his authority by laying it down for you and me. That you would be forgiven, that you would have a restored relationship with God, that your, re that your relationship with God can be right again. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread he says, this is my body given for you. His perfect, righteous life becomes a sacrifice for us. And there he went to the cross. And as, as Isaiah um, 53 described it, he was crushed for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. As the wrath of, of his father was poured out upon him for your sin, for my sin, for all those who would trust in him, that his sin, that his life paid for our sins. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The old covenant was based on works that if you do right, God will bless you. And that would work if we could do right. <laughs> but we don't. The new covenant is based on His life so that you are right with God because of your faith in Jesus apart from what you do, apart from your works. It is the new covenant poured out for your for the forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus does. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we would become the righteousness of God through faith in Him. So take and eat. And once again, remember the grace of God, the way Jesus loves you. If you haven't opened one of these before, there's a clear top that will release the bread. And then underneath that, 
is the dairy creamer purple thing. this day. Thank you for your grace in our lives. May you get the praise you deserve. You laid down your life for us. Lord, may we live for you. May we live focused on bringing people to you. Help us to not be ashamed of you. Give us boldness. Give your people boldness to stand for you and to serve for you. Purify us, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming today. May God bless you wherever you are, here, or whenever, whenever you're watching this out there. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.